Hey everyone and welcome to the Run Adjacent Podcast. My name's Hayden Bell. This podcast is brought to you by our buddies at Trip Trail and Fish. You can find them at 4 Wakeland Street in Carmo and now also online at tricktrailandfish.co.nz for the month of October. They have some they have a special for you, the lucky listener. It's 20% off good ass sunglasses, just as we're coming into summer. Fingers crossed. These sunglasses are awesome for runners, they're polarised, they don't slip off your face, they don't bounce, and there's lots of shapes to suit your style. Uh, you can find the discount code in the show notes. Thank you, Hayden. Uh, our guests today are Renee and Corinne. I have been bugging them for quite a bit because they're both physios at the M3 Clinic that's on Commerce Street in Fongaree. Uh, just a quick introdu- introduction of each of them. So, Corinne is in, oh gosh, Otago. Otago. Ah, Otago graduate, working as a physiotherapist for the last 10 years. She's worked in the Lower Hut, Lower Hut the UK, and spent the last six years in sunny Tauranga. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Uh, she's passionate about running, and she's been a keen runner herself, uh, for how long? Probably about 10, how long? Of your whole life? Yeah, basically. Okay, she's yeah. been running her whole life. Um, she works a lot with runners to manage their injuries and create load management plans for injury prevention. We also have Renee. She has returned home to Northland and she previously was working in Auckland. She enjoys working on pain management, restoring function, and long term resiliency through education and exercise. She's wonderful at staying up to date with the latest evidence base in musculoskeletal conditions. Renee has been working with me for the past two months. Yeah, maybe. Yep. So when I rolled my ankle, um, she has got me back to where I was only running every other day. And now I was able to run Sydney Marathon last week and am tolerating 140 Ks this week. Nice. So we doing good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you both for being on the pod. You're welcome. It's nice no to be worries. here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me, Renee, maybe how long have you been a physiotherapist for? Yeah, sure. Um, so I graduated at the end of 2018. So this will be my fifth year practicing. I did take a little break, actually, must have been last year for about six months or so. And then I found M3 who sort of had everything that I was looking for up here in regards to um, facilities and sort of, I guess, philosophy as well. And so I touched base with them and did a short-term stint with them, actually just while one of their physios was away looking after the the Northland Tunnies team. And then earlier this year, also touched base again to look at something more permanent. And so I've been there since. So this will be, yeah, my fifth year practising and I've always sort of been in the musculoskeletal realm straight out of university. So I haven't sort of done any cardiorespiratory or neuro-based stuff or hospital. It's sort of all been private practice. So that's me. Beautiful. Why, why did you... Why did you choose this profession? Oh, look, good question. I didn't. I don't really have a, a, you know, a fascinating story per se. I actually um, initially applied for nursing, and it didn't quite go how I had anticipated. Yeah, so I found myself in health science at AUT on the shore, and I kind of, I don't know, physio came up, and I was like, huh, I hadn't even thought about it, but it made so much sense. I've got a a big interest in the sporting side of things, um, just generally kind of in in health and wellness. And I always think I wanted to help people. I just Mm -hmm. didn't quite know, uh, you know, under which sort of career path that Mm -hmm. was going to be. But I found physio and transferred into the course at AUT and, yeah, kind of never really looked back since. So, that yeah, that's how I found myself here. And Corinne, how long have you been a physiotherapist for? Uh, Yeah, so my story is a little bit, Different to Renee. Yeah. So I have been a physio for 10 years. The first four years I was at why well, I worked in the hospitals. So I started um, my hometown in Lower Hutt. So I did my rotations through there. Actually sort of fell in love with the whole neuro side of things. Mm-hmm. Found that really interesting, really fascinating, quite fulfilling as well. And then, yeah, went over, travelled a bit in the UK, came back and decided that I wanted a bit more of a challenge. And so, yeah, went into Musk six years ago now. So I've been working in private practice Musk for the last six years here, there, and everywhere, predominantly Tauranga, but I've just moved to Whangarei. Mm-hmm. And you're a bit of a runner, so what, what kind of running events have you have you done? 
Yeah, yeah. I've sort of grown up running. Both my parents were top level New Zealand runners, so I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> what? <laughs> tell me more. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell yeah. us more. Okay. Well, they were both. So, Dad was a New Zealand steeplechase champ, so he was <gasps> on the track. Mum sort of dabbled in a little bit of both. That's how they met through running. Quite famous name down in Old Wellington. I think my granddad on dad's side was a, a world masters champion as well so he was running right until the end as well so yeah we were a running family so i didn't really have a choice growing up it was we yeah. were to go for a run yeah. <laughs> yeah. we bonded That's today just what we yeah. did <laughs> on the track so so what's your kind of running events that you do are they, are they trail are they road or are they yeah i've sort of dabbled in a bit of both i mm. did my first marathon two years ago i did the hawks bay one which was nice, but I must say the training by the end, I, I grew a little tiresome of just hitting the pavement the whole time. I prefer mm-hmm. the trails. Grew up in Wainui Amata and there's beautiful hills and trails everywhere. So last year I did my first ultra, me and my brother did it, and we did that one in Topor, so I ran the 50K, which was cool. Yeah. I was there. Oh, were you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you must have been way ahead of me. I, I highly doubt that. <laughs> I came in, I think it was 5 hours 50, so... What was your yeah. I actually was way ahead of you then. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I came in at 5 hours. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 Funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, it was a good race, eh? I yeah. enjoyed it. It was a beautiful day, yeah. Do you like the trails then over marathon races? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I find yeah. them more interesting. Yeah. A bit more um, entertaining for me, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any races coming up then that you're training for? No, I need to. I've been trying to knuckle something down. I'll be looking in the next few months to target something. Okay. You can talk to us about some uh, upcoming races. We've got many on the calendar. (laughs) (laughs) I will. Yeah. Uh, Renee, what kind of sports do you do? I I don't actually do any exclusive running. Um, I you only find me typically running in if it's involved in some level of sports. Yeah. Um, well, I say that, but funnily enough, my main kind of sport growing up uh, through school was actually golf. So it's not a hugely aerobic activity. Um, I yeah, I went and finished my schooling down in Pakuranga um, at St Kennedy College because they had a golf academy there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there for my last three years of school, and outside of that, it was you know your classic um, football, basketball. Um, I dabbled in a little bit of rugby in the last few years, um, but yeah, it's typically. Um, it's always been kind of team-based sports or some kind of level of sports um, that's kind of kept me active or kind of sparked my interest in that activity kind of level. So not not a runner um, specifically, but definitely enjoy my sports. So yeah. You've done lots of running in your sports. Well, yes, there's elements of running, <laughs> yes, yeah. within them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of the main thing for me. Oh, that's cool. Thanks for sharing all that stuff, guys. Okay. So let's um, get on to the physio type of stuff uh, now um, what is a physio <laughs> I actually do remember looking at this at this question and thinking oh like I guess we've, I didn't really talk about um, what a physio is per se and I was a little trying struggling to come up with a kind of clear definition but I think typically our role is to work with people to restore or kind of uh, improve function in order for them to get back to the things that they love and enjoy. So, you know, usually it's it's injury related and it's it's affecting, you know, things that are important to them or their ability to um, kind of participate in those meaningful activities. Mm-hmm. And our job is really to help get you back to them. So in its simplest form, if, if you, is that what you'd kind yeah. of say? Yeah. Anything you add to it? it. No, I think that everyone's goals are different and relative, but I think you're right to restore their function. And sometimes you get people wander through the door that aren't in pain and just yeah. want to get better at what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. They're not as common, but yeah, we predominantly work in the pain space a little yeah. more, but depending on what area you're in, you can kind of push over into performance as well, which yeah. is quite cool. Do you, either of you work into performance then at M3? I mean... Uh, yeah, I've, we've worked with sporting teams, so I guess yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm working at the moment with a women's high performance cricket team. So 
we'd be working into performance a lot with some of their athletes. That's more gym-based stuff, load management sort of. Mm. Yeah, quite close with S&C type yeah. Um, yeah. That sort of thing. Absolutely, working really closely with the S&Cs, mm. yeah. Whereas I haven't really done a lot of performance-based stuff specifically, at least not with like team-based um, sports. It's typically all been in clinics. So sort of your generalised population groups, um, your average Joes through to kind of your weekend warriors, you know, um, that kind of, you know, classic stuff. Yeah. But typically, yeah, that performance space is sort of a, a sort of a tangent off the musculoskeletal pathway that can be quite a common place that people want to get to. But it, yeah, it's very much quite a big commitment. So yeah, yeah. Um, since this is a runner's podcast, <laughs> what is the most common injury that either of you see in runners specifically? Probably the most common I reckon we see in runners is Achilles tendon problems, Achilles tendinopathies specifically. That's what I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that would probably be the most common thing wandering through the door. Then you've got your shin splints as well. Mm -hmm. They come through a fair amount. Plantar fascia, as you sort of said. Patellofemoral pain in the knee. Predominantly the lower limb type injuries from the knee and the ankle. And then probably the other one, uh, iliotibial syndrome in runners. But I don't tend to see heaps of that as much anymore. No, I think typically they're like your overuse injuries, right? So that they all kind of come under that common umbrella of like something's got a bit grumbly mm-hmm. um, and like like Karim was saying Achilles is, is our common one there because yeah. tendons can be incredibly temperamental but yeah. as well the plantar fascia is similar um, uh, patellofemoral pain again yeah similar to, so and and uh, shin splints as well so mm-hmm. yeah definitely all those like common overuse mm-hmm. type injuries that we would see yeah because they're common are you able to kind of give general recommendations to people then or is it often like a personalized plan just very dependent on each client that you're working with like if you had someone in your clinic and they are having bad shin splints yeah I think that's a really good question so yes and no like I think the concept of how we treat them is the same across Mm -hmm. the board but obviously people present with different things and their level of function and their level of running load Mm -hmm. is different so you'd perhaps start in different places depending on how they came Mm -hmm. in if it was acutely grumpy and swollen say the Achilles tendon then you'd probably manage that a bit differently to someone who's come in and said you know I can still run on it and I'm, I'm you know just after some advice to kind of make sure it doesn't get worse mm-hmm. depending like, on this yeah okay. yes and no there's a lot yeah yeah, or yeah. If it's like a chronic thing yes. like it's like chronically I'm having yeah. that issue versus acutely I just rolled my ankle yeah. and absolutely yeah okay. yeah so you'd sort of start at a different point depending on sort of the person you had in front of you yeah exactly but the, the concepts are the same yeah. throughout the rehab yeah absolutely what are the best practices for injury prevention for runners probably i'll let you on this one actually because i i know that i saw your note and it was just like strength was the first kind of big thing there and i know yeah, mel's been waiting for us to talk about strength i think more than anything else but yeah it was actually it was funny when i was flicking through that um those slides before the the thing that made me chuckle was the easiest way to not get injured is not to run and then the And then, obviously, yeah, the second thing is I think um, I think we underestimate how much load goes through our body when we run. Yeah, we um, do. And yeah. more and more, like, literature at the moment and research is coming out and they're really starting to look into how much load goes through muscle and tendon in the lower limb. Mm. And it's high. It's much, mm. much higher than we think it is. Uh. So strength, absolutely. Strength is, for a runner, a non-negotiable, really, mm. I think, if you're keeping up with the evidence now. Can you talk a little bit more about that yeah. like the kind of the research that you found in the load yep. loading yeah 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 so um basically um yeah good question where do i even start with i that? know <laughs> i guess that is a big question yeah um yeah because like- i would say like when i first met with you i was surprised that how much you had uh, recommended I do calf strengthening things and like mm-hmm. I've been a runner my whole life I've mm-hmm. also been going to the gym my entire life and done like squats and deadlifts and uh, lunges and single legs but like I really have never incorporated something like calf straining strengthening yeah um, and so even that I was I felt really stupid thinking how obvious it is that it is my calves but um, yeah are you able yeah. to elaborate yeah. a little bit more on absolutely I think 
So obviously when you sort of hit the ground, your sort of your Achilles and your calf complex absorb a lot of it. Most majority of, the load. of that load. Yeah. Um, and so the research out at the moment is it really is like calf is the new glute, you know. When you go and see a physio and everyone tells you to strengthen your glutes, strengthen your glutes, as a runner, you should be strengthening your calf. So you've got two calf muscles. You've got your um, deeper calf muscle, which is your postural one called your soleus, and then you've got your more superficial one, um, which is called your gastrocnemius. And they kind of, they obviously they both absorb similar loads except your soleus is working at that kind of like lower level running type speed so the research at the moment is saying that when you hit the ground you're getting six to eight times your body weight coming back up through your soleus that's how much load it's taking which is massive that's heaps and that's yeah. with lower level and that's at low level running which yeah. means like easy pace yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So that's wow. just at, okay. your, at your gentle jog kind of yep. pace. Uh-huh. That's how much load's coming through. Then as you speed up, your gastroc kicks in and helps. But mm-hmm. yeah, strength parameters are still sort of similar. So so the research is saying at the moment that for you to be able to safely and consistently stay running, that the strength that you need to be doing in the gym for your calf is so single leg calf raises. Mm-hmm. Um, four sets of six you need to be able to single leg calf raise at least two times your body weight so what you'd have is if you just did a single leg calf raise that's your Mm -hmm. body weight right Mm -hmm. you need your body weight on your back so you'd be Uh, looking at using sort of a smith machine or something yeah um to build that up which is huge which is a lot more than people think yeah (laughs) yeah four four times six right and that's not even just like a couple of reps that's like you've got to be able to put in the work over a series of, of sets Obviously, for most people, when they wander through the door, they're not going to be able to no. do that. So it's no. something that you you build up towards. Up yeah. um, but that should sort of be that, that criteria just, or yeah. goal that you're sort of walking towards. How okay? So then, if I'm I'm a runner and I hear this and I think, okay, I'm going to just smash it at the gym tomorrow. Is that a good idea? <laughs> it's never really a good idea to go from zero to 100 <laughs> um, in anything. I mean, and it's the same even if you sort of wanted to train for a marathon and you thought, yeah. I'm just going to pump out 20K tomorrow, right? right? And you're just like, well, it's probably not the most sensible thing to do. So typically it's, it's you know, with any kind of training that you're bringing in, so any kind of change of any kind of resistance training is no different. It should be a really gradual process. You, you've got to give your body time First of all, you've got to give it stimulus. So you've got to give it the enough load to actually generate the changes you're looking for. Mm. And you've got to give it time to create those adaptations mm. and actually keep up with them because otherwise you'll find yourself in a, a you know, a not ideal situation. Um, so I think, you know, as much as it's, you know, we would encourage you to bring it in, it, it should be a sort of a gradual thing, but certainly that's what you're sort of aiming to build up towards is that sort of four sets of six that double your body weight. So. Absolutely. And like, as a runner, I'm very aware too that runners want to run, right? So it's Mm. not that we're going to like absolutely thrash you in the gym so that you can't run. It's about being clever about when you're going to do your gym strengthening so it doesn't impact your running load as well so it's, it's quite the art of integrating yeah. it all yeah the theory is a lot easier than the the reality and the actual application of it sometimes yeah. particularly when you're just dealing with people who come with their own complexities like you've all got jobs and and you know yeah. time is never really something that has a lot of people have a lot of so trying to negotiate with your patients or, or your runner in particular um it can be a yeah a, a difficult discussion sometimes and, and just a difficult navigation process of trying to find a way to apply these changes but yeah not compromise on your running so much mm. um, and volume is, or frequency is obviously the big thing for runners they don't really want to give up too much of that mm. yeah since that's one of my questions anyways down at the bottom about kind of what would be an ideal strength training kind of week, especially for someone. So if I'm running a a marathon training cycle, then I have like Tuesdays are my speed days and then Saturdays are my long run days. If I was in an ideal world of me wanting to optimize myself in the gym, but also give a lot of time for running, what would you recommend? Yeah, so I think, so to have really um, effective carryover with strengthening, you need to do it at least twice if not three times a week okay. so they are the sorts of um frequencies we'd be yeah, looking for yeah two to three yeah. times a to week get that yeah. kind of carry over uh-huh. through strength and then i think you also need to be a little bit careful and this is sort of where i think people fall into a bit of a trap is that they do their strength exercises 
Um, and then they go and run. And then that's just way too much load, way too quickly. Oh. So you actually need to work it out in your day so that you've got a 24-hour sort of stand-down period after strength training. Mm. So what I tend to tell people is you're better to run in the morning and strength train in the evening than you are to strength train in the morning and run in the evening. Does that make sense? So yeah. otherwise you're going to overload because if you think mm. you've absolutely hammered your calf in the gym and yep. then you go for a run and you're yeah. going six to eight times your body weight, you're going to put yourself... Um, yeah, the accumulative load through that day then is yeah. like far yeah. too high. It's beyond your thresholds, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. where we come into issues. You're going to put yourself in that kind of injury risk kind of category. So... Yeah, I would say that you'd want to um, do your strength training. To, and it doesn't have to take a long time. Like mm. in a perfect world, you know, 30 minutes is enough to get in, get everything done and get back out again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just make sure that you're leaving adequate rest time mm. um, for you to be able to run again. Right? Okay. Yeah. And then it doesn't – the whole thing with running load too is that I guess it changes so with your speed sessions compared to your long-distance running mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, it will sort of change from time to time. But obviously speed sessions have a higher impact on your body than perhaps the slower runs do too, depending on what kind of surface you're on and things. So, um, yeah. So I would do the gym session, like in an ideal world, I would do a speed workout in the morning and then a gym session in the afternoon? Yeah, you could do. Yeah, yeah. And then you'd probably want to have a relatively light day the following day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is kind of a trial and error too sometimes, you know, like you've just got to, I mean, really the best exercise is the one that gets done. You know, that's the classic, (laughs) that's the classic slogan, right? Like, I agree. Because, and you've got to, you've got to, in order to get something done, it's got to be like, it's got to be an appropriate level, but it's also got to be, um, I guess it's got to be sustainable within your current routines. And that's outside of running too. That's within your job and the time yeah. you've got available and things like that. So as much as we have this, you know, ideal or optimized frequency of strength per week, one session's better than no sessions, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, yeah, you know, we have these guidelines and things like that. But the reality very much is, f- particularly for any runner at any level, some sort of level of strength training would would be awesome mm-hmm. so it's it's about finding and and Corinne touched on it doesn't have to be a lot like if we really kind of condensed it down to its main to the main foundations we'd be looking for it would be that calf strength and then it might be some just basic uh single leg loading you know yeah. with, with yeah. a squat and a hinge movement are mm-hmm. our big compound so we get bang for buck so that would be three exercises per session mm-hmm. you know which which is a lot more digestive digestible for people to kind of you know navigate in their head and time wise so I think yeah when we as much as we have these kind of ideals really the the best exercise is the one that gets done and the one that gets done is the one that's going to be sustainable for you because we also want it to be a long-term thing this is not Mm. uh, you know strength has huge benefits outside of running as well but particularly in in, in a performance uh, yeah in regards to performance it it does need to be sort of a long-term sustainable option for you so I think that's kind of a something to touch on too yeah I, I'm hearing a lot about this calf strength stuff. What are three good calf strengthening exercises, if you don't mind? I know it's not on the on the run sheet or no, anything. I love that yeah, no, that's fantastic. I mean, um, so you kind of your main two, uh, mm. your standing calf raise, right? So mm-hmm. just um, and actually, actually, it's quite difficult to do when you do it properly. Yeah, we could yeah. do a whole podcast on yeah. how to do a calf yeah. raise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's be quite surprised. intricate. You'll find a lot of people tend to kind of cheat and use naturally other muscles. compensate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. It is. It's quite the niche to nail the calf raise. So just a single standing calf raise. Obviously, running is a single leg sport predominantly, right? Mm-hmm. Like yes. you're always on one leg. So we try and keep things single leg most of the time. Um, and then you can compare right to left for anything. Um, second one would be a seated calf raise. Okay, so um, just sitting knee at 90 degrees and then up and down, which you can either do in the gym or you could make shift something at home mm. as well. But the weight's got to be relatively high for that too. Um, and the seated one, is that a single leg or that's? Yeah, that's okay. single leg too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be doing most things single leg. Mm. Um and then a third calf raise. Well, there's so many different things you can do with the calves, right? So oh, right, yeah. we're just talking about like heavy, slow resistance training at the moment. But you could retrain your calf complex like it's being used in running a bit more like a spring or a bit more Ooh. like a, you like know. plyometric type. Yeah, yeah. So you could be doing some some pogos or some yeah. bouncing or some 
Um, there's actually a really cool one um, that I've just did a course on, um, which we'll go over hopefully on Tuesday. Oh, cool. And it's um, like stair walking, but you've got oh, to be yeah. up really, yeah. really high oh, right. on yeah. your toes, and that loads your calf. Yeah, and I've up. seen things like wall sits, but instead yeah. of like you know yeah. for a quad, quad kind of like a, a wall sit, but then you come up onto your tiptoes, so you bring in an element of that calf into something that otherwise is not just calf. So yeah. it's like little extras, and I've seen people yeah. do. Um, like oh, Bulgarian sk- yeah. split squats and stuff, where mm-hmm. again you're holding, you're holding on your tiptoes. You're kind of keeping a constant engagement as well within that calf area. So it's just a like little ways to just apply a bit extra to that calf complex, mm. as well as hitting other muscle groups at the same time. So you can be quite creative with them, and there's not really a, a wrong way to do it. I would say, to be honest, um, I don't think as long as you're hitting your single leg standing and seated as sort of okay. the, yeah. as the okay. paramount sort of option. They need to be yeah. in there, but the other one you could probably They're just little extras, yeah. yeah, like throwing in extra accessories. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah That's yeah. cool. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, what are some best practices for injury prevention for runners? I mean, we basically just spent a whole bunch yeah. of time talking yeah. about strength is strength. Yeah. Was, is there well, anything else we're missing probably the biggest one everyone always gets injured it's it's load management so it's actually it's programming yeah, yeah it's how much you're running oh, and then it's huh. breaking that down too so that would be the highest risk of injury biggest is, one is spiking your acute running load yeah so yeah. i mean you measure kind of running load um not only through volume, so how many k's you're running a week, but also through your terrain. So yeah, are you doing hills? Yeah. Are you on the flat? And then your speed, your yeah. velocity too, your right? So that's yeah. three different things. So you could be running, as an example, 100k a week, and your volume stays the same, but you could be doing five speed. I mean, you wouldn't, but you could be doing five yeah. speed sessions in there. You're probably still going to increase your injury risk if you don't have adequate recovery, or you do lots of speed and lots of hills, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it's I just think, they're different demands on the body. So you yeah. just got to account for those different, uh, yes, those different loads on the body and how the body is recovering, mm-hmm. you know, between each session. And yeah, that would that, that would be the load is massive. I think that's why it's probably so important for new runners and any runners to follow a plan. Like usually those plans are written up because oftentimes those have sort of that nice gentle incline into volume, but then also speed. And if they are training for something that's going to have more terrain avert, then it's, it's written out for them instead of just floundering around experimenting absolutely and i think you've got to understand the loads that you're putting through your body Mm. too right so you know that obviously the faster you run and the higher velocity the more force is going to come back up through the ground same with like when you're running uphills your metabolic cost is higher going up you've got greater kind of calf activation and propulsive forces going up but then coming down it feels easy but the forces are actually higher yeah because you've got breaking forces coming down so it's like actually understanding the loads that you're putting through your body yeah i've been warned about this because i'm doing kepler's in december the 60k and the first 20k is up a good climb and then there's apparently like a 6k that's significant downhill and some switchbacks and the people that ran that section the fastest never won, never podium. Like they always had right. like worse times. And so it's going to be mentally really hard for me, but probably really important to remember to slow down on some of that downhill because I'm just using more force. And just yeah. preparing for those parts, I guess, of your within your training, you know, like force absorption yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. so not not to not to ne- like intentionally avoid it particularly is, is a big thing like everyone's like oh if i'm going to get if i'm going to this is going to uh, expose me to injury risk i'll just not do it yeah. but the reality <laughs> is you've still got to do it at some point so yeah. it's it's actually counterproductive to completely avoid it it's Uh just it's about kind of gently kind of intentionally bringing into some of your training so you give your body a chance to be exposed to those demands and then therefore be better at tolerating them Mm -hmm. but it's yeah that's the big thing yeah and then obviously if you the the last thing is um increasing um your running percentage right i think they say if you increase by bigger than sort of 10 20 percent in a week you're going to put your um self at higher risk of injury and that's with predominantly volume but yeah Yeah, so i think then that would come down to like load and programming being the biggest one for injury Mm. prevention and then obviously 
Um, strength is being a huge protective factor. Um, mm-hmm. But then another massive one is recovery. Like yeah. sufficient recovery is huge and sleep is massive. So uh-huh. we get probably a little carried away with different fads out there of like the best way to recover. And, you know, they can be really yeah. small percentages that, are, you know, one percent is maximum that make the difference. But everybody can invest a lot of that time and energy and sometimes financial investment too mm-hmm. in like accessing the best, biggest new thing. The real- reality is if you do the basics right, it's usually sufficient. And if, if you're, you know, only in sort of a really top small part of the population, might you consider encouraging those one percenters that could make a difference? Because mm. a few seconds can be massive. Yeah. But certainly, yeah, like load management, strength, but then really, really good recovery. Nutrition, also seeking good nutritional advice. Like that's outside of my scope, so I couldn't necessarily talk on that. But um, yeah, good fuel, um, good food for recovery and, and protein and things like that. And then, yeah, sleep's massive. Sleep we we see the a, biggest. We, biggest recovery thing. So if yeah. you're like sacrificing an hour and a half sleep to get up and do foam rolling in the morning, like your priorities are way <laughs> off, you know. But we see... <laughs> It's, it's not uncommon. Like, honestly, and in, the, in the athletic realm, particularly the performance realm, oh. like, they'll get teams up early to do, like, a stretch mobility session. Oh, no. And they'll be sacrificing sleep. And it's kind of like, I don't know if that's, yeah. like, the most sensible no. way to do no. that. But yeah. a lot of people don't appreciate the, the importance of sleep. And so even as it pertains to, like, um, injury prevention, um, you know, if you've got a lot going on, like external stresses, work's busy, you've just had a new baby, you're getting sweet not a lot of sleep mm-hmm. um and then you're still trying to maintain the same level of load from your from a running perspective you start something's got to give at some yeah. point right so your body can only sort of tolerate um a certain amount of stress before you something gives mm. well i think that kind of ties in perfectly with that whole like tissue capacity right yeah. and load yeah, for sure. so when you aren't sleeping and when you're not recovering well then your tissue capacity is going to reduce yeah. and then if you keep your load high then all of a sudden your load beyond that threshold yesterday yeah. and now you're sitting in your injury zone again uh, so it's yeah. about actually recognizing what you're doing in a week and it's yeah. always changing exactly it's really fluid like it's mm. never constant because life is not super constant you know like yeah. and so you do have to constantly account for the changes that can occur and and how that might impact the way that you train or at least just your expectations around training um, and potentially accommodating for life stresses um, Mm. whether it's you know you've got yeah just recognizing them yeah Mm. and the importance that they have Um, you touched on a really really good point too with the recovery I think I myself have fallen into this trap a lot as a runner recovery runs have to be recovery runs yeah please yes. please yeah. talk yeah. so much about this because yeah. i've definitely injured myself doing this you know when you're feeling really good and you've had a good training week and you've got like a half an hour recovery run and you start and you're like i feel fine so you just go oh, i'll just do a little bit more i'll just go a little bit faster yeah and all of a sudden your recovery run is sitting at your it's race pace or just yeah. under yeah. it's not a recovery uh-huh. run it's so you yeah. What is considered a recovery run? Do you have kind of some parameters? Yeah, that's a really good question. Now I've brought that up. Do, no. <laughs> I, I, like low heart rate yeah, or like, I mean, it's yeah, got to be low. Perceived level slow, of exertion. Right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Well, I'm not exactly sure what the numbers would be. I can, I'll look into it and let you know. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's got to be yeah, low and slow, right? Like your heart rate's right down. Yeah. Everything. Just Even subjectively, if you can't yeah. run your six-minute yeah. Ks if, if that's what it is for you. you yeah, know, it's relative um, to everyone. But yeah, for me, I'm I'm damn near walking. Yeah, but that's what it that's, that's what it works for me. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, yeah, it's important. Yeah, is there just because I love this topic about recovery? Is there anything else? um that you want to touch on besides sleep and then um it sounds like recovery with being more thoughtful of taking those runs easy yeah was there anything else that you thought of that came up i can't think of of anything off the top of my head bar like yeah just good sleep good nutrition mm-hmm. um as being sort of the key mm. the key points there um like i had put down foam or we talked about foam rolling yeah, and then like yeah. the difference between like a static stretching versus like dynamic stretching and does that help with recovery is that sort of what you were talking about that one percent of yeah, like yeah, Meh, yeah. is it just a waste and of I mean, time stretching is quite a controversial topic yeah. in the literature <laughs> it's um, yeah exactly okay. um, <laughs> but we can't we honestly can't make our minds up either so it really like uh, in terms of how we interpret the literature and stuff so there are mm-hmm. very much uh, a lot of people and and physios out there can probably follow some of them too but um social media can be really polarizing in that sense where you can often see you know very anti or very 
all very pro. And I think it's it, there's always nuance around these sorts of topics. Um, I think the big thing is if anybody is selling something as like the next big thing, it's usually a flag. So like, um, yes, there's, I don't I don't think if I talked about stretching specifically, actually, I don't know how it really can, for runners in particular, is there usually a preferred around static versus non-static? I tend to tell people just with any kind of sports and running and things that um, you want to do dynamic stretches to warm up mm-hmm. because you don't want to stretch a muscle that you're about to put an excessive amount of load through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can do your static stretches at the end. But then again, if you're dealing with, it depends what injuries you're dealing with too, right? True. Some yeah. injuries. Tendons don't tendons love don't like being stretch. stretched. They don't like stretch or compression. So a lot like, of people yeah. are like, oh, my, my Achilles feels really tight. I'll just do a, a heck load of stretching. And you're kind of like, let's nope. cut that first, you know, because yeah. you're actually just going to make it more grumbly like it doesn't really want to be tensioned um so yeah like, like you said depends on the injury but I think as a general rule if nobody's injured and they're like do I spend time stretching it's like look often the, the best way to warm up or prepare for something is to do that actual thing so if it's squats then we should be squatting if it's yeah. running potentially it's just moving into a nice low pace and then building into your actual kind of timings and things like that and building that intensity um, yeah, you might want to do some more activation type exercises to kind of switch things on rather than spending a whole lot of time doing lots of dynamic stretches initially. Hmm. Um, although we say that the calf is the new glute, you know, uh, it's about switching on other muscles in and around your knee and your hip too hmm. when you run. Renee, you just touched, you, you mentioned fads and then you mm. said someone's selling something on, on, on Instagram or whatever. What are your thoughts on massage guns? Um, they are absolutely nothing inherently special, is what I would usually say. They Look, we have a lot of tools out there that can um, modulate pain, which is a, a fancy way of saying they can temporarily make you feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. But there is nothing inherently special about majority of them out there. Um like and, and they buy one and they, they cost a lot. Like I'm, I like them. I'm not saying that you couldn't <laughs> use them or that they can't be part of like um, your routines and things like that. But if, yeah. if somebody was coming to me and was like, "Oh, should I spend like 400 bucks on this massage gun?" Yeah, I'd be yeah. like, "Look, it depends." Like, and usually yeah. our biggest issue with these sorts of things is the narrative around them. It's not necessarily yeah. the issue with the actual gun. It's uh, the fact that people sell them as like this. You need solution. this for recovery and right. solution, right? Yeah. Whereas, and you're missing the bigger picture. Yeah. You know, so if, they're not if, necessarily. Yeah, then they're, the they're just not inherently right. special. Okay. Um, yeah. But they can be useful tools to make people feel good. Like we we also have to appreciate that that's part of people, you know, and they want to feel good. And if it's stretching for some, if it's massages for other, if it's a hot bath for some, you know, mm-hmm. like it, there are multiple things out there that people utilize to make themselves feel good. And we should be allowed to use those, but we should also recognize that, yeah, they're not the big part of the picture. They're, they're just little bits here and there. Um, so that would be my comment, unless you yeah, had no, any other feelings. I think, it's an adjunct, right? Mm. Like I think you're still going to get injured if you don't get your strength and your load right and your massage. Mm. You're using your massage gun like crazy. It's probably not going to help a great deal. You've got to get your basics right, but it's this little bit of extra on top. And I think you're bang on with the way that you said it does. I think it makes you feel good, and I think there's a lot to be said about that, and I think there's a lot still to do with our brains and, mm. and how we process that that mm. are going to have perhaps longer-term um yeah. improvements and benefit rather than actually mm. is the massage gun doing what we think it's doing yes that's the big one probably yeah. not it's probably not. <laughs> it's probably not breaking down scar tissue no. and yeah. um all of the other claims yeah. around that you know like um and i think the other common one or one that i've seen a little bit is that like k-tape and stuff you know yeah. you see lots of people it was a real big thing there for yeah. a while yeah. um but objectively when we look at the research you know people they do feel better say but we don't see any change in their objective measures. So, like, if you if you looked at somebody's speed with tape and then without, they measure the same, even though they'll subjectively tell you they feel quicker and they feel faster. Mm. So as much as it, we do want to promote, you know, athletes to feel as good as possible, sometimes the way you feel doesn't always accurately reflect in your performance outcome. Wow. Not, not all the time anyway. So, I mean, this is it's always contentious, right? Like, there there is always a conversation, there is always nuance, and, the way that you interpret it, the literature will, will potentially change what somebody might say about it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, usually uh, 
they're very much the adjunct. So they're not the foundation of of Mm. good training and good recovery, but they can assist in in some Mm. of those things as well. Mm. Yeah. It's the same with foam, foam rolling. I mean, all of the little things out there. Yeah. Some people just love them, and that's cool. You, I, I'm not anti it at all. They can, you yeah. Want to do something yeah. afterwards, which makes yeah. you feel good. They want to be Go proactive about looking after themselves, and so that's cool. And yeah. they're probably not going to cause you harm. No, that's you that's the big don't thing. You probably need a four hundred dollar massage yeah. gun. Yeah, You'd probably get one from Kmart. Particularly, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, Man, you you all are doing great with answering all these questions. I don't. I mean, when I look at it, I think that you've probably answered all of them. The only, I I'm wondering. I guess maybe the biggest one would just be to go back to if you had any specific advice. But we've been already talking about this preventative or best strength training exercises in the gym or at home. I think from what I'm hearing, it sounds like really that go, if you can go to the gym do it two to three times a week and then be considerate of when you're going to do it. So Mm -hmm. having that run in the morning and then your gym session in the evening and it only really needs to be 30 minutes. Or I mean, like, yeah, it can be as quick as that. I think like the main, and if from personally, I often will say when we're looking at trying to be efficient with time, squat and hinder our big lower body movements. So that would, a squat would be, you know, your, your back squat, your front squat, goblet squat, split squat. There's a whole lot of variations, but one of those variations. Okay. Um, and then typically a hinge compound. So your deadlift, your, your Romanian deadlift, your conventional, your sumo, your single leg RDL, good mornings, anything that kind of, because they're just... Yeah, they're, they're sort of our key compound movements for the lower body. And Corinne and I talked about this, I think I worked the other day. And, and, and for runners in particular, Corinne, I think personally, really encourages single leg stuff because we talked yeah. about how runners predominantly absorb that load on one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. So ensuring that your training does kind of reflect the demands of your sport. So mm-hmm. it, for runners, it would be, you know, potentially picking single leg dominant exercises mm-hmm. for, for a squat, for a hinge, and then our calf raise. So that would, in my opinion, be our most condensed version of like a really simple, basic, but sufficient sort of strengthening resistance program. Yeah, at its yeah. at its core, probably, mm-hmm. unless yeah. you had anything. No, that was, yeah, bang on, to be perfectly honest. And then trail runners, obviously, with that uneven surface, you could throw in a little yeah. bit of like ankle yeah, proprioception, which is, yeah, balance. Yeah. And, kind of knowing where you are in space. That's why I quite like the single leg exercises too, the RDLs yeah, and the there's step a balance element to them usually, mm, like everything indirectly. Yeah, yeah, everything working together. Yeah. And then, yeah, so that's all the heavy, slow resistance stuff. Ideally, a gym is better than doing it at home. Mm. You've got access to yeah. weights. You've got, yep. you can mm. isolate muscle groups a lot easier. Um, but if, as Renee said earlier, if you can't get to a gym, you're better to do something at home yep. than do nothing at all. Yep. Mm. Um, and then you'd probably as you work your way through your program, depending on what your kind of targets are, um, you also, like running's a plyometric sport, so mm-hmm. we need to train mm-hmm. some kind of, we've kind of only really spoken about that heavy, slow resistance training at the moment, but you'd want to train some kind of like load absorption stuff, so mm-hmm. some faster, some power things yeah. as well, right? So um, you could just, they're just layers to the cake, could just keep sort of putting on, but you'd only want to do them, say, twice a week, low reps, high intensity mm-hmm. for short periods of time. Is there a big difference between trail runners and road runners in terms of the strength training and like what you had mentioned with the ankle stability yeah. stuff, but uh, that's kind of it? Yeah, I'd say that the the principles are, are the same, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that I wouldn't necessarily change a whole lot for a road runner to a trail runner. And it's honestly the same even outside of running like these these principles are actually quite similar and they parallel a lot of different sports in and you know at, at its core um and then you just have slightly different adjuncts depending on the actual sport or demands themselves of that particular sport so you know i would even for non-runners still encourage your sort of squat hinges your compound yeah. movements and then um yeah potentially build on your accessories or plyometric mm. based things depending on the demands if you were really hunting you could probably say you could turn your squat or your single leg squat um if you're a trail runner and you're doing loads downhill you could put a plate or you yep. could like make slump a board of, a, of some kind yeah yep. slump or something so you're just changing the angle at which you're loading like you could get quite uh, creative with, with them yeah. yeah yeah but the the, the functional movements are the same mm. yeah it's cool um it's yeah i think what i've learned is that we're we're kind of all 
individual to ourselves and um you got to work on what 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 plan is going to work for you in your lifestyle mm-hmm. and um i like just as an example last year i i was training for for telpo like corinne was and i was doing 80ks a week but i was also so i would i'd be running six days a week and i'd be in the gym twice a week and i found that adding that a gym session well adding two gym sessions into my week was just absolutely wrecking me so i dropped a running day and did two two gym sessions instead Mm. and i found that it I, I coped a heck of a lot better so like uh, it's it's really individual down to to what works for you and mm. and stuff um yeah yeah i mean to do the exact same like i only ran four days a week and yeah. gymmed twice mm. um yeah. through that whole training phase through as well so everyone's yeah. different in what they can kind of tolerate and what you can fit in mm. Mm. but you got to prioritize those recoveries mm. did either of you have any final kind of points or thoughts, some research, anything you're jazzed or excited about sharing? <laughs> Do you have anything? I'm just Pumped. having a little look. Hold on. I know, I Pumped on numbers? Way. Pumped on the stats? Kind of, well, we haven't really hit too many numbers, have we? No, I'd love to hear some numbers if you're willing. Yeah, so <laughs> numbers for strength, one and a half, oh, sorry, um, single leg calf raise, you're looking for two to two and a half times your body weight. So number-wise, let's say like 50 kilos, would that mean that you've got like 100 kilos on yep. the bar and yep. you're doing that single leg? Yeah. Yeah, so like wow. a Smith machine or something. Yep. Is- so I've literally just managed to get 55 on the bar for me, but I can only get five reps in. But right. yes, that's what you should be aiming for. Oh, that would for. be – did you say two to two and a half? Yeah, two One to and two and a half. To two. Yeah. yeah, two to two and a half. That's a lot, eh? Yeah, it, it is. is a lot. Like- seated, seated calf raise, you need three-quarters of your body weight on your knee. Okay. So – and um, single leg leg press, one and a half times your body weight. Okay. Like that, they are the sort of numbers that you're dealing with. I'm just throwing out numbers to you. Yeah, I'm appreciative yeah. of these numbers and blown away. Because <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, like like I had mentioned, I really have – I've been in the gym probably since I was like 20, um, but have not done any – calf loading strengthening exercises yeah, at so not even all through, like uni and oh no because i it? yeah i was College? on the um rowing team oh, right. and so i feel like with rowing it's not right. like you're yeah, incorporating yeah, yeah. calves necessarily no. we were just doing heavy like yeah, olympic yeah. lifts yeah, yeah, like it was yeah. like a lot of that like olympic yeah. lift stuff and then once i left rowing and went back to running again i in my head was like oh, i'll just do the usual squats and lunges and mix it in with like pull-ups and things like that so but i had I just never did calf training stuff. And now hearing those numbers, it's kind of scary to think that I need to get up to two and a half. Yeah. My body That's weight. The, I mean, it is. It's, it is scary. Ooh. It's a lot. But like you just, you're going to gradually build yeah. that up, yeah. right? But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. In theory. It could I take mean, you months and months to get there. Like six it. to eight times your body weight coming yeah. through that calf anyway. So we're only That's asking true. you to do two yeah. and a half. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So when you kind of think about the load that you're putting through your body when you're running, it's not as overwhelming. Yeah. Is there anything else? Um, I think probably everybody, well, we typically hear a little bit that, you know, um, strength training. A lot of people don't do it because they don't know where to start. Like it doesn't have to be really complex. Mm-hmm. Often we overcomplicate things a lot. And, and our profession as physios is is still trying to get better at this. Like we all get caught up in the... Anyway, there are some wild things out there. Um, But really, it doesn't have to be super complicated. You know, like it can be at its base, um, just one or two sessions a week at, you know, at minimum, ideally around that two to three, where you try to bring in a squat movement, a hinge movement and some calf raises. And yes, there's some numbers and stats there, which probably feel like a massive mountain, but, Mm. you know, it's just about taking some steps to to get the ball rolling and finding a way to do that that's sustainable for you. it doesn't have to take away from your running and, and in most in all cases it, it will typically actually really help your performance mm. and your longevity and just your physical resiliency. You're you're gonna be a lot more robust, you're gonna be able to tolerate a lot more, um, which is actually gonna not only help you in the short term but in the long term as well. Mm-hmm. Um, often runners don't get into this for a short term gig, you know. It's a it's a full it's a thing. Lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you really want to be able to support that, not just now, but but very much in the in the long run as well. So, yeah, big thing. It doesn't have to be scary and complicated. It can just be really, really simple. Um, and then you can build from there. Because we've even talked about, you know, 
sort of the, the, the higher end in some cases, you know, where um, we're, we're throwing numbers at you and stuff like that and, and where we should ideally get to. But, mm. yeah, just doing something is better than nothing yeah. um, mm-hmm. in that regard and it's yeah. probably the main thing. Yeah, and my summary would just be, yeah, understand the, understand the load that you're putting through your body um, so that you can kind of adjust accordingly. Um, sure. Your weeks are going to change, life's going to change, you know, and you've just got to be really flexible and adaptive to that too. Um, yeah, there is no one one perfect treatment that's yeah. going to work for everyone. It's going to be um, sort of working into your lifestyle. Hmm. Uh, if our listeners wanted to chat with either of you or find either of you, is there anything specific anywhere that they could... Uh, find you um, <laughs> if you want to plug yourself yeah, in yeah, yeah. but you don't yeah. have to yeah come find us at m3 yeah yeah, yeah. perfect um, yeah that would probably be the best place to, to yeah. get in touch with us um our, we've got well we can be contactable by email through m3 so touch okay. base with our admin team and they can put you in touch with us or book an appointment if you've got any issues yeah their web address is m3clinic.co.nz sweet Okay, that's how I found you. <laughs> just went on the oh, yeah, went on yeah, the yeah, website. Yeah, the <laughs> yes, the good old Google. Uh, well, thank you both so much for coming along and sharing your amazing wisdom and knowledge in running. I am very passionate about strength training, and so it's nice to get the numbers. I think, and just sort of hear from professionals why it is so important and why, especially for any runner like you had said Renee I mean we are in it for the long haul um, and so it's good to hear some of those ways to keep being able to run for the rest of our lives hopefully yeah um, thank you listeners for coming along we really appreciate you listening to Run Adjacent um, the show sponsors again Trek Trail and Fish check out that 20% off Gooder sunglasses pretty stoked about that I have been through so many pairs of sunglasses so I am excited about that you can find the discount code in the show notes um, when does that expire does that expire it's for the month of October Okay, so wait just a little bit and we'll get there and and then you use that code. (laughs) Uh, Do tell your friends and mates about Run Adjacent. You can find us on Instagram or on Facebook at Run Adjacent. Um, Till next time. Happy Happy running. running. (laughs) You don't want to do it with me? Happy running. (laughs) I'm off to go through my my massage. See ya. (laughs) 